my. Oh, that worship. Guys, that was absolutely phenomenal. My goodness. Yeah, I think my body's in a little bit of something this morning. Sally and I were in Montana last week, and we got home sometime this week, Tuesday night, I think. And then I got on the plane the next day and went to Florida to help out an uncle of mine that's kind of in trouble. So we went from freezing and snow to soggy 80-degree rain. And then we came back here, and things had changed here. And I didn't even take a coat with me to Florida, so, oh, it's good. Mm. Oh, man. Just, uh, there were several words that came in earlier, and Natasha had a word right at the end, which I think is part of really a word of knowledge, and I want to pray into that here. I just and Can I just give that briefly? Um, it, it was just that in that place of the God, of, Lord of hosts with us and the faith response, there was a, a, a breathing, a, a breathing or resurrection life put back into dreams. And I just think that's a, I think that's a really important word this morning. So if, you, if you've got dreams that need some resurrection life, would you just stand up right now? And, and I want us to pray into those dreams because I, I just, I felt like that was an absolute, I just felt the life on it when you shared that to me. So would you just reach out to somebody near you right now that's standing? And Father, we, we just thank you that the Lord of hosts is with us. <laughs> and we just speak resurrection life into dreams. There are things in all of our lives right now that aren't behaving like we thought they would be behaving, that, that aren't coming as quickly as we thought they would come. That, and Father, we just, we just release that resurrection life back into the dreams and the visions and the, and the callings that you've given us. And we just declare that right now in Jesus' name. Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts. I, I just love the way Melissa tied Lord of hosts into into Hannah's prayer and Hannah's intercession. and What an amazing thing for Hannah in the midst of pain to describe a new name for God. I mean, for that to come out of that, the pain and the, and the, the abuse and the, the disappointment and all the things. And, and this, I think you might need to preach this one, Melissa. I think you might need to preach this one. Oh, Jesus. Father, so we just release the Lord of hosts at work in each of these homes in Jesus' name. Then there, there were several, uh, several specifics, and if this is you, just stand up real quickly. There, there was a word of knowledge about lower back pain that came in. If that's you, if you're struggling right now with lower back pain, stand up. Um, if you've got a problem with your left wrist, particularly a sprain, and you're, you're bothered by something in your left wrist, would you just stand up quickly right now? And then the third one was a nagging neck pain. It's just something that just, it keeps irritating you and messing with you. That's you just stand up right now. And we want to pray with you. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, if you are near one of these, would you just go and just gently lay your hand on your shoulder? If you're going to move around, uh, just, just be very conscious of the person you're going to. But 
let's just go to each one of these and lay hands on them right now. So, Father, we're just releasing your power, your resurrection power. It doesn't just work in our circumstances. It works in our bodies. And so in your name, Lord, we just speak to these, the, the backs, we speak to the wrists, we speak to the neck, and we just command right now complete and total healing. We just break the enemy's strategy to slow people down and to, to limit their mobility. We break that now in Jesus' name, and we just speak your healing power. Now, if you're laying hands on somebody, just declare life right now. Just be bold and just declare resurrection life into that body part. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. 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 And just begin to move what wouldn't move. Check your wrist out right now. And I suspect right now there are going to be some necks that are freer, some backs where the pain gone, some wrists where the mobility's increased. If you can actually tell a significant difference after that prayer, just raise your hand quickly so we can see what God's doing. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Good. Praise God. Another there. Praise God. Another here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. Oh, I can't wait to hear you preach that, Melissa. I, I, I'm not careful. I'm going to start preaching it. <laughs> Whew. The Lord of hosts is with us. <laughs> the Lord of hosts is with us. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, we've been on a month of keep the fire burning, and it's been kind of fun for me to revisit the things that God has spoken to us. And uh, we've dealt the first, kind of first session we dealt with a culture revival. Last time I spoke, it was on the lifestyle of the revival. But today I want to really speak about the sacrifices necessary for us to keep the fire burning. Um, there's, there's a sacrificial lifestyle that, it, 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 revival doesn't happen in a vacuum. It actually happens when the correct fuel is put in. So as a part of that, we just want to do something as a body today. Um, we want to give one of our books to every, every adult in the room, okay? That's our goal here. So if you already have one of these, wait, because we're going to get, we got enough variety that you'll get something you don't have, okay? Um, first book, Keep the Fire Burning, really is, is looking at the cultural revival. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about the last um, four chapters of this book. Sorry, my brain is a little frizzled. And uh, so anyway, if you, if you would like this book and you don't have it this morning, uh, stick your hand up right now, okay? So keep it up, and they'll get that around to you. Now, if you're watching online this morning, this is what we need you to do. If you're watching online, then we're asking you to text into the church text line. That's going to go up right now. Text into that line your address, your name, and which of these books you want, and we will mail that to you because we want to we want to get this to the online audience as well. So keep the fire burning as first. If you if you don't have that, it's coming around to you. I'll give them a minute to finish that up. We got one down here still. We need right there. You got that um, right behind you. The, okay, good. 
Mike, right behind you, you got two there over there on that side, three over there. Don't miss those. I got a couple down here at the front. If uh, Kurt, we got one down here. And upstairs, we got how many upstairs? Two upstairs. Okay, so we need two of those going upstairs in a minute. We know this is going to take a minute. I'm going to preach really fast when I'm done. So I'll get my skates on this morning. Okay, second book, if you've got that one already. And this is one per adult, so families will end up with two, and that's okay this morning. Um, how many remember the night that the glory just came into this room and we had that incredible night of his presence? Uh, this book was written right after that. Um, it was actually a response to that night. And it's how do we take these incredible things God's doing in us and get that out of the house into the community? And, and I wrote it, Revival Lifestyle with the intent of, I just don't want a bunch of revival meetings. I want a people that live in continuous revival. And what we're after is a body of Christ behaving like the body of Christ. And so if you don't have this one and uh, you want this one, stick up your hand right now, keep it up. And these crafty, wonderful ushers in the back are going to start handing out this second one. It'll take a little longer because there's more hands. We kind of suspected quite a few had the first. So uh, that's why we, we did this one as well. So it's coming around, it's coming around, it's coming around, coming online again. If you online, if you want this, you're watching online this morning, uh, send in your, your address, your name, which book you want. Make sure you give us your full address, including zip code, so that we can mail these without any issues. I had somebody buy a book online on our website yesterday, and they, the address is absolutely wonderful. It's, it's, it's on 102nd Street in New York City. But that's the address. And uh, I can't get a book to them because it doesn't work that way. So please give us online. Please give us your whole address. Don't leave pieces out on that. We want to get that to you. Okay, is there anybody in the room that um, you have both of those and you want the alternative? Which... This morning, I think they have the call of God back there as the alternative. Hand up if you have the other two and you want that. Keep your hand up. Okay, somebody's getting around to you with this one. And uh, so call of God, guys, get that passed out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Oops. Kind of was fun to see that pop up online. I, I did buy a double X large just because I thought that would fit me. If it won't fit me, I don't know what he's doing grabbing it, but <laughs> if it won't fit me, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's yours, brother. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Keep it. You need it. You need it. You need it. Okay. All right. Let's get in the Word. The on On that shirt is the the scripture from Leviticus 6. 
And the, the, the nature of that phrase in Scripture was that the fire shall be kept burning continually on the altar. It must never go out. And just the, the, the idea is that this, this fire of sacrifice, this fire of presence, the, the, the thing that represents God's work in the lives of people has got to be something that kept, is kept going. And, and in that context, there were two there were two ways, there were two things that happened to keep the fire going. There was fuel added and there was sacrifice added. And those two pieces, the fuel to keep the fire burning and the sacrifice that keeps the fire burning are the Old Testament acknowledgement of something that needs to happen. But those things can be brought directly over into the New Testament because there's a New Testament responsibility of giving sacrifice. Um, the most most obvious one in Scripture is is that we bring a sacrifice of praise. Um, in, in the midst of Hannah being barren, the song is, "I'm going to worship you. I'm going to rejoice in your goodness." The the response out of that is rejoicing. How, how do you move from absolutely depressed and cast down and feeling persecuted because you don't and and then you pray and the act of praying moves you from there to here and suddenly it's no longer the barrenness it's now the rejoicing in the lord of hosts being with us that shift is sacrificial because you don't necessarily feel like rejoicing so the first one of these we're going to deal with in the just the area of sacrifice is joy the atmosphere of heaven. Um, it, the, the kingdom of God is, is his presence with us. And, and, we, and we read in, uh, in, in uh, uh, First Chronicles that in, in his presence, in his place, the, the atmosphere of heaven is joy and strength. Yes. So if we're going to bring heaven to earth then the thing we bring to earth is joy and strength. What happened in worship this morning? The strength of who he is, the, the power of who he is, the, the, the just this Lord of hosts, there's no limit to how many people, how many angelic hosts, how many, what can be mustered to come to, there's just no limit to that. And somehow in our minds, we, we always think limited. We, we think in time and space, but, but in him, there's no limit. And if we are going to be a people that put sacrifice on the altar, one of the sacrificial things we do is live in joy. Yes. It's actually a sacrificial action. Um, you know, joy starts with the sacrifice of praise and worship, but that, that's just to get us reconnected to who God is. But we've got to learn joy as a lifestyle, otherwise we'll never see on earth as it is in heaven. And we prayed from, as time from kids, we've prayed the Lord prayer that we want to see his will on earth as it is in heaven, but you won't see his will on earth unless we've learned to begin to live a lifestyle of joy in the midst of all the stuff that's going on around us. And it's so hard for us because for so many of us, the, the idea of being spiritual is being sour. 
I mean, as a kid growing up with the Bible open on my lap, if I laughed, I would hear the swish of belt loops as the belt hit the loop on the way out because I was being irreverent. Do you know how much it takes us to break out of those mindsets and stop being afraid to rejoice and have joy in the midst of all the craziness going on around us? Um, you know, if we don't understand that joy is a lifestyle and that we sacrifice to stay there, then we'll never steward his presence well. Bill Johnson makes this statement. He said, laughter is to salvation what tears are to repentance. And as a church, we've been really, really good at welcoming tears. We've been really, really bad at welcoming laughter. Stay with me. Let's go to a scripture on that. <coughs> Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many remember the context of Nehemiah's statement? So Nehemiah has taken a group back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. Ezra has gone before, and Ezra has rebuilt the temple. At least it's in process. Probably wouldn't finish. And, and Nehemiah comes to build the wall and goes through all kinds of stuff. Read through Nehemiah. It's a phenomenal story of getting the wall secure around Jerusalem. Well, they, they get finished with the mall, the wall, and they have a celebration party. And at the celebration party of completing the wall, Ezra gets up and begins to read the law. These are people who have been in captivity for years. And, and it was fascinating. I love one little piece stuck away in that story is that it says they read the law and they translated it. So they literally had somebody translating that into the foreign language that that generation had learned and grown up in because they didn't understand the law as it was read in the language when it was written. So it's fascinating that in that context they translated and, and it says, as they translated, the entire audience got still and quiet and began to weep. Because here's a generation of people that had never heard the law of God read. And the law of God so penetrated their hearts, it so convicted them that across the whole congregation of those that have built the wall, everybody's weeping, everybody's in turmoil. Everybody is just, just, just they're, they're struck with conviction that they violated this law of God. And Nehemiah says, stop weeping. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. That's the context. See, I, I think it, it, it harkens back to Remember how Nehemiah got the call to go? Nehemiah was the cupbearer to Artaxerxes, who was the, 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 the king of the Medo-Persian Empire, incredibly powerful king. And one day, Nehemiah came into Artaxerxes' presence, carrying his cup of wine, and his face wasn't happy. And he hands the wine to the king, and the king says to him, What's wrong with your face? 
And Nehemiah's immediate response was to fear for his life. Because you don't come into the king's presence with a frown on your face. You don't come into the king's presence down and depressed and struggling. Now you can. And we have a king that isn't going to kill you if you come that way. But having come that way, he wants to restore the joy of your salvation. So Nehemiah's, Nehemiah's response was, the strength of what's about to happen isn't that you're weeping. Good. We understand. But let's get past the weeping to a repentance that restores the joy so that we can understand that it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. In the middle of COVID, your, your strength is not how concerned you are with the environment or how concerned you are with the political process or how concerned you are about who's going to win the election in a little bit. I mean, those concerns and worries and the things that capture us, those things actually keep us from demonstrating and ushering in the presence of God. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, like given this room, you may have strong opinions on who you want to win. But that's not where your strength comes from. That's not where your joy comes from. Your joy comes from this revelation of the power and presence of God. And, and if, if coming into Artaxerxes' presence required a smile on your face, how much more should we as the body of Christ come into his presence with joy? That's why Hannah can be in agony whether she thought she was drunk, but then she can pray this craving prayer, I'm going to rejoice in you. What happened? She got a revelation of the Lord of hosts and comes out of that revelation. She touches heaven's atmosphere rejoicing, and now she comes out with my soul rejoices. What happened? We encountered the presence of heaven. If we're going to sustain revival, we've got to be a people that sacrifice daily our time and our energy to spend time in his presence so that we come out of his presence with, with a sense of joy and peace and expectancy and hope. The world doesn't need a bunch of sour Christians telling them they're going to hell. Most of them know that. What they need is a bunch of believers so full of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that they're carrying a peace and they're carrying a joy. And, and people turn, in the midst of all this, why are you so happy? Because I've connected with his presence. And, and we could go around the room and everybody in this room faces challenges of some kind. That's I mean, part of this life right now is there are challenges. We're just down with an uncle of mine. He's the only relative of that generation that's, that's living and trying to help him. He's being evicted from his house at the end of this month, and we're trying to figure out how to help him get a place to live. And my brother and I are down there, and it, it was just, it, it was a challenging few days. And, but if you're not careful, that challenging starts robbing your sleep, and it starts robbing your thought process, start, you start worrying about, and, and suddenly your joy just kind of leaks out of your toes. 
How many of you have what, that leak on your toes? You know what I'm talking about? Where it just, it just goes. It just, and I remember we were driving back from Arkansas one night several years ago. We'd done a job down there, and we got onto a hill kind of almost into Missouri, and we're coming up this hill, and the pickup I was driving with the trailer got stuck on the hill, and we couldn't go any further, and there were some semis stuck up the hill. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of nowhere, stuck in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, and snowing and cold, and I'm not enjoying it. And Nate is sitting, I don't know if you were sitting in the front seat or back, I can't remember, but Nate just turns to me and says, isn't this the most beautiful place you've been on earth? <laughs> and in that moment, it shifted from the challenge of the moment to I started looking around. It was one gorgeous valley we were in. I mean, it was gorgeous. The moonlight was perfect. I mean, it was, it was perfect. Except I wanted to get up that hill and get home. And, and if we're not careful, the challenge we face determines the way our face looks. Instead of his presence and understanding his presence determine how we live our life. I believe in this next season that we're going to begin to see a stark contrast between believers who carry his joy and believers who carry the fear about where things are going. We have a God that's in control. The Lord of hosts is with us. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Look, look at what it says about the disciples. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Just, you know, sometimes it's those throwaway statements in Scripture that challenge us the most. Did the disciples have it easy in Jerusalem? I mean, they're facing incredible challenges. But they're constantly filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. How did they do what they're called to do? They're filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. They're not locked into their history. They're not locked into a failure mindset. They're not afraid of what the Roman Empire is going to be doing. They're continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. If you need more joy, would you just stand up right now? And Richard just declared joy over this congregation. <laughs> Father, forgive us for having sour faces when we have the presence of the Lord of hosts with us. Forgive us for worrying when the Lord of hosts is forgiven us. Forgive us for not exercising our faith to know that the Lord of hosts is with us. And we receive your joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The second piece I want to touch this morning, 
And I actually think this is one of the keys to sustaining joy. And that is that honor is heaven's value system. We very often get into a value system that has more to do with what somebody does than who they are. And if we're responding with a value system of what they do, we're going to have a certain view of that individual. There are people in the political arena right now who I really don't like what they're doing. I don't like what they stand for. But if I understand heaven's value system, I still have to treat that person with honor. Somehow we've lost the art of disagreeing but retaining honor. And we disagree and become disagreeable. And we begin to say stuff and release stuff that just simply isn't God. The Facebook fast or the media fast in this last season has been a great relief because I've stopped hearing and stopped seeing what some folks paced. Some of those in this room. Got to be careful. Because if it doesn't have honor, it's going to get blocked. Because somehow we have to be a people that so tap into the power and presence of God. Our scripture I think I've bought with a price up there. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, let's start there. The word honor in the Greek, actually, the literal meaning of the word honor is value based on price paid. So, honor is based on the price you pay for the thing. So what's the price paid for the person sitting next to you? It was the price of the blood of the son. So if the price of the blood of the son was paid for that person next to you, how valuable are they? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're priceless. Think of the political figure you least like at the moment. Bring their picture up in your mind and say to them, you are priceless. See, it works when somebody's, it works in here, but when we start thinking there, something starts breaking down. Because we don't think they're priceless. But if you don't think they're priceless, then you're not responding with honor. I profoundly disagree with policies. But you can disagree and not lose honor. Human being purchased in the image of God. How much time are you spending praying for your political opponent? What if the body of Christ began to honor with true biblical honor? What if we began to 
treat people with that kind of respect and responsibility. Yes, disagree. And I, I believe abortion is one of the worst things that's ever happened in our world. And I want to see it overturned. There's no secret about that. I think it's a violent, vile thing to do to abort a child. But that doesn't make people who support that vile. I disagree with them. I believe it's sin. But the person, the father sent the son and paid the price of blood for that person you disagree with. I disagree with that. So if the church doesn't refine this, how could we expect the world to find it? We can get frustrated that there's not truth and honor in, in the media environment, but if we're not doing it, how can we expect somebody else to do it? This verse actually says, gives preference. What's the verse up there now? Um, did, I, did we put uh, Romans 12 up there? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. The word give preference in the Greek literally means outdo each other in showing honor. Well, just don't mean the word. What does it look like for the body of Christ to outdo each other in showing honor? <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's easy to honor people that are doing something that helps us. That's super easy. I mean, honoring Jared on the sound is super easy. And guys, we do need some more people in sound. Just reinforce that statement. We need support people in the media. We want to, in that little room up there, we want to actually have a second sound person working every Sunday morning. And that person will be doing nothing but making sure our online sound is, is really, really good. We, we want to get the online sound. and Sometimes the guys up there, they're, they're, they're listening to sound in here, and then they're listening to the sound of our online, which is several seconds behind what's in here, and they're trying to adjust that sound for listening to this sound. And it, it, it's amazing you can do it. <laughs> but, but guys, we do need that. But, but, but it's easy to honor people that are serving. It's easy to honor the worship team for that incredible release of his presence this morning. It's easy to honor Melissa for releasing that word and just literally having the word for the morning about Lord of hosts. That's easy honor. But if that's the only kind of value system we have in church, then it becomes a performance-based system where we only honor people that do things and serve. And heaven's honor system doesn't start with what you do. It starts with who you are. And it takes that price paid in blood. It takes the fact that that person next to you that you disagree with is created in the image of God. This is the answer to racism, guys. It's the answer. 
because we begin to honor each other from that position of the value that they have before God, and you just you start behaving different. I remember when Sal and I were on on furlough from Africa, we we stayed in a lot of homes, and we had two small kids. And uh, when you have two small kids, and you're staying in a really nice home that doesn't have kids, the home is, the home is not kid friendly. And you watch your kids run up and grab something that you know has value, and you think, oh, you, you just, you, you, you're protecting the thing that has value because it has value. What if that's the way we behave to people? What if we gave ourselves to protecting the thing that has value? That person next to you has the father gave his son. That set your value as priceless. Their value is priceless. Democrats' value is priceless. Republicans' value is priceless. Peace. careful. If we're going to be a people full of his joy, we've got to have a value system that doesn't irritate us every time something does some, somebody does something stupid. Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> Let's just, we're just going to stay, stop here this morning. Let's stay with the same verse. The, the, the setup for give preference and honor is actually the rest of that verse. And it's just quite some important things in there. It says, let your love be without hypocrisy. The, the word the word, the Greek word there literally means nothing hidden. Let your, let your words, let your love, let your response to that person not have anything hidden in it. Yes. And, and the, the root of that word, the place it comes from, is actually the, the word that's used for the acting of players on a stage. They're on the stage acting, performing a role, but that's not really who they are. And so Paul here is saying to the body of Christ, stop acting, stop playing, stop putting on a Christian front, stop playing a role and start being the person that you say you are. Start living from a position of loving people irrespective of what they've done. Yes, please despise sin. Please stand for righteousness. Please call out the lies of stuff going on right now. But be careful. Be careful that we don't become hypocrites in the process who say we love people, but we speak and act and behave in a different way.
one of the calls on selling my life has been to see the religious structure free up women and allow them to get into their role. One of the reasons we buy, write our books as Steve and Sally is I refuse to, to violate a principle that we've lived our marriage 50 years by, that we're in this thing together. So when I look at Ginsburg, I see this incredible woman created in God's image who stood to see some breaking of some stuff. I don't agree with many policies she stood for. But God help us if we can't honor. Y'all hearing me? God help us if we become so divided politically that we refuse to look at a person and see the value of that person. Call out sin, yes. Encourage you to vote, yes. I have fairly strong opinion who I want to win. But if we don't do it with honor, then we can actually miss the sacrifice part. That's why this is a sacrifice. It's actually a sacrifice. It's a spiritual sacrifice to look at every human being with honor. But that's one of the sacrifices that maintains the fire. If you've struggled to see your opponents through those eyes, would you stand up right now? give you a minute to decide whether you're going to stand up or not. <laughs> and then we'll let your conviction turn to joy and it'll be all right. Mm. Father, forgive us for only having an honor system that looks at people's performance. An honor system that always calls out sin and fails to see who they're created to be. We're asking that you would show us your honor system. Forgive us for the judgment that comes so easy to us. Thank you, guys. Father, we're going to leave judging to you. We just choose this morning to tie our value system to your value system so that every human being no matter what they've done becomes a valuable soul 
And it's deserving of our prayer. Deserving of our intercession. I think this is one of the sacrifices that the body of Christ misses the most. Is it because of sin we feel justified in dismissing people? Instead of interceding for those people. How far do you let your imagination run? What would happen if Hillary Clinton would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and become a voice of truth, righteousness, holiness? What if Camilla? encounter the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. What if as intercessors in the body of Christ right now we've got to begin to call in the impossible because the impossible is actually completely possible. What if the Democrats and Republicans stop fighting each other and actually began to stand for righteousness? What would happen? Can we be a body of Christ that starts interceding and believing and contending for those kind of breakthroughs? What does revival look like in our nation? Every time there's been revival, there's always been opposition to that revival. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting all, is it, all opposition goes away. But the disciples are continually filled with joy in the Holy Spirit in the midst of incredible persecution. Here. So Holy Spirit, come. Let's all stand up together. The other sacrifices I was going to look at this morning, you'll have to go read the book now that you have it. But it was forgiveness. And I really believe there's a whole layer of learning forgiveness that we still need to walk in. I don't care how many times we've done it. It, it. I believe that God wants to train the body to give the sacrifice of forgiveness, even forgiving in advance of them ever responding correctly. That we release that. And then the last one I was going to look at today was, you know, what's the purpose of unity? Why, do we, why are we after unity? What do we want to see that in our city? Because our vertical relationship has an effect on our horizontal relationship with each other. But that horizontal relationship of unity with each other actually sets up the harvest. I and them, you and me, that the world may know that you sent me.
I just, I just feel like this morning, if, if you need ministry, if we've got a couple of ministry team people, please come down the front. But this is the invitation this morning. I want to challenge every one of us in this room. Ask God to show you what sacrifice you put on the altar to keep the fire burning. What's it going to take in your home? Is it going to take adjustment of your time? Is it going to take adjustment of your priorities? What price are you willing to pay to see God invade our city? To see God invade your home? Sometimes sacrifice looks really tough. But I want to say to you, there's not a sacrifice we've ever made that we don't in hindsight rejoice over. Because it produces something of the power and presence of God. So if you're wanting this morning to just make a stand that I want to live a sacrificial lifestyle, whatever that looks like, and the Holy Spirit will convict you, I invite you to just come down and get prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Release in us that hunger to live sacrificially. Hmm. To live in joy. To live in freedom. To live with a value system that begins to see the world around us through different eyes. Put yourself in. Who was it prayed for Saul? Anna, Ananias, was it? Yeah. I think it was Ananias when he prayed for Saul. Let's see, is that? <coughs> Put yourself in Ananias' position at the moment. Here's Paul who's been persecuting the church viciously. And the Holy Spirit comes to him and says, go down to that little house down there and you're going to find Saul. I want you to lay hands on Saul. And when you do, he's going to receive his sight and he's going to get my Holy Spirit. What is in Ananias' mind? If I go there, I'm going to die. But he did it. And we have more than almost a third of the New Testament more than a third, third in the New Testament at least, written by that one that persecuted the church. Who says God can't turn people around? Yeah. So Father, come, release your presence and power in Jesus' name. Thank you guys. Thank you, worship team. You were, oh, thank you, Lord. Ah. And Melissa, you need to start working on Lord of Hosts' word. I promise.